Welcome to another edition of the Big Fundamental Podcast, Kins Fives Podcast on the San Antonio Spurs and NBA, bas- NBA basketball. <laughs> All right, that's Evan Klosky whooping around over here. And uh, whoop, there it is. It's Tom Petrini. Um, Hi, guys. Another fun-filled episode of just uh, a lot happening in the NBA right now. Is there anything happening? Well, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Tom. You're a night owl. Good things are happening. That's why we stay up late, folks. I saw, I saw Tom P. tweeting at 2, 2 a.m. when the Boyan Bogdanovich news was coming in. It's all right. It's because I don't sleep. There you go. All right. But uh, closer to home, guys. Closer to home, guys. Uh, DeMar DeRozan is back. He's opting in to his uh, final year with the, the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, he's going to be paid $27.7 million. Um, honestly, it might be an overpay for him at this point in time. Do you think that affected his decision? Was anyone else going to give him that kind of money? I think it's absolutely a consideration. I think probably the reason that he wound up opting in was because any, any sort of market for him was a little drier than expected. Um, you know, there, there was, there was some reported interest from the Lakers. There are a couple other teams that could have been in the mix, the bucks among them. That's not going to happen now. Um, but when you look at all your options, um, if you're DeMar DeRozan, getting a guaranteed 20, 27.7 million a year this year is, uh, you know, probably the best he can do. And you were right in saying that he's going to earn that amount of money and that he's going to be under contract for the next year. Uh, but I'm not quite sure he'll be back yet because him opting into the contract, even though he basically in the, in the, the statement from the Spurs said, let's run it back. That doesn't really mean necessarily that he'll still be here even tomorrow if the Spurs and him are interested in, in a trade. Um, but him opting in before the deadline on Thursday and before the draft on Wednesday, tomorrow, um, that gives the Spurs flexibility to include him in a potential draft day deal. Whether anybody is fighting, that, that's a question that remains to be seen. But, um, you know, it's definitely the biggest domino of the offseason for the Spurs. Timing was a little awkward with his deadline after the draft. Uh, so I'm glad that we got that news taken care of before the draft, um, which will make things uh, a little bit easier in terms of just seeing what comes next. What are, you, what are your thoughts, Evan? Yeah. Uh, number one thing I want to say is just because he opts in does not mean that he will not be traded. I think there's an overarching theme of, assumptions being made, especially on social media, that DeMar is back. DeMar is back for now. Um, That's not to say that he won't be there opening night. He could very well begin the season with the Spurs and be a great deadline addition for another team. San Antonio, I think, has no problems running it back with DeMar for a full season or trading him at the deadline. I mean, I understand where the assets are sometimes necessary, where you want to say, okay, if we're not going to have him long-term, let's make sure we get something for him. But if the market out there is not giving you anything, if teams are offering you 20, 30, 40 cents on the dollar for DeMar DeRozan, then just keep DeRozan and be competitive and see how it looks 
and maybe you can unlock something similar to the bubble. There's a lot of questions still to be answered surrounding DeMar and uh, what's going to happen with him and the Spurs long-term, short-term, whatever it might be. But yeah, the, the opting in is not a surprise. Certainly once the pandemic took full throttle, it became more and more likely that DeMar was going to opt in for financial reasons, which I 1,000% agree with him on doing. And this pretty much just eliminates a sign and trade. So right. from what we can gather, teams were not willing to hitch their wagon on DeMar long-term to make something happen. Now, as Tom mentioned, right, you have the Lakers who have made a deal that kind of takes DeMar out of the realm of possibility mm -hmm. there right. financially. Uh, you had the Bucks make a couple of deals. Doesn't look like that's going to be a fit anymore financially. Portland just brought in uh, Covington. Uh, I don't know their payroll off the top of my head, but Covington, uh, Lillard, McCollum. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to bring in DeMar, nor would he fit into what they're trying to do with bringing in probably another 3 and D wing. So there's another team that was seeking to add something, and they're out of the mix. You know, you have teams like Golden State still looking for someone, but LaMarcus Aldridge is probably their target if they were going to take someone from the Spurs. The Nets are right now engaged in trying to figure out if they're going to bring in James Harden. If that happens, DeMar is definitely not heading there. So the options, as Tom said, are absolutely limited for where DeMar can go. And still, if the Pistons make a deal, they trade Blake Griffin, and maybe they want to bring someone in, they can maybe work a deal with San Antonio for a future asset uh, to kind of jumble some things around and uh, reunite with Dwayne Casey. But, um, you know, the, the market has dried out. Um, you know, DeMar. The last one you mentioned, Detroit doing a swap, Blake Griffin for DeMar DeRozan, is slowly gaining traction in my mind as my favorite deal of, uh, that's on the table right now. It's not that most asset-heavy deal. You know, there might be people with draft picks or younger players, more players who could develop with this team. But there's something kind of appealing about watching Blake Griffin with these really young, talented guards and backcourt players we have really open up the court. He's a shade of who he was in, in uh, Los Angeles, uh, obviously, and he's dealt with several injuries. Uh, he also has a stand-up career that he uh, is, is kind of still working on as well. So I don't know how that affects uh, what he'd bring to San Antonio or what the comedy scene would offer him here. Uh, shout out to Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club. Um, but, you know, th th if they get something for him, that'd be great. But, I mean, you're right. It, it wouldn't surprise me to see them try to run it back and build on the success of Orlando and if there's an offer at the all-star break, if there's an offer offered in, you know, later on the season, that's, that's when you make a move. I hate to dash your hopes, Jax, but I, I don't think Detroit would want to give up Blake Griffin right now. Um, I think if they, I think Detroit makes sense as a destination for him with Casey. And I think a pairing of him with Blake Griffin would be pretty fun. Something you could talk him into, into enjoying. I think maybe a more likely return would be like, they sign and trade Christian Wood back. Maybe that, that was something I, I saw in our mailbag. I saw a couple of questions about Christian Wood, who is a, a name that we've talked about in free agency here. Um, you know, the, the great value, Anthony Davis, uh, as he is known, uh, that, that I think would be a more realistic return. I don't think you're going to get 
a former all-star back for DeRozan, unless he's totally washed, in which case, uh, you know, you're taking on a bad contract just to make the salaries match and maybe getting assets back. Um, and I, I keep it big and fun here. So, you know, I, I sure right. it might be a pipe dream, but if it's a way to get Christian Wood, whose value has kind of skyrocketed since the last time we talked about it, he's kind of the most coveted free agent on that tier right now. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's the cost of, of getting him if that's the guy you really want. Yeah. And, and then I think a couple of other, we, we've sort of touched on the Harden thing and, and we can, we're going to talk about that in greater detail later in the show. Uh, and the absolute mess in Houston that I don't know about you guys, but it's just devastating for me to watch. I've I, been started, so sad. I started the timer to see how long it'd take Tom to get to this point. So, and then he's, uh, we hit the, we hit the under. The, you mean the point where I was talking about how sad I am about all of the tragedy befalling the Houston basketball rockets. That, that's the one we're talking about. Least, yeah. You at least have not brought any Apollo 13 cliches into the mix. No, but have you ever seen somebody try to rebuild a rocket ship mid-flight? It's, <laughs> uh, it doesn't often go well. Um, but anyway, say, say the Nets pull the trigger and send a crazy package back to Houston, get James Harden, get a bunch of vets on vet minimums, and suddenly have one of the most ridiculous big threes in the history of the game. Um, that'll put pressure on Eastern Conference teams to make a move to be more competitive with them. Um, the Atlanta Hawks are a team that have come out and said, you know, we want to make the playoffs. We want to make a push. They've got the number six pick. I don't think there's really much interest from certainly not Hawks fans. I don't know about the Hawks front office about, uh, acquiring DeRozan and giving up that sixth pick, even if it's to move back five spots. Um, the- I say that, and remember, even though fans might be like, I don't want this, I do still think the Hawks are a very strong possibility for the Spurs. Think about if you're the Atlanta Hawks. It's been a little while since you've been relevant and in the playoffs. You know that this team is not going to win a title, but we are in a draft with so many uncertainties, so many question marks. There really is no superstar talent out there. There was ever a season where the Hawks said, you know what, let's bring in DeMar. Let's move back five spots in the draft. What are we really costing ourselves? We might be able to make the postseason, gain some momentum, and then at least forge forward in the future at least telling our fan base that, hey, we're, we're, we're getting back. We're, we're, we're moving forward. We're making big steps. And the, the cost of doing that would be moving down five spots, which I think you know, would possibly cost the team Patrick Williams. If they wanted Patrick Williams, it's sort of a rumor out there that the Spurs would like to trade up for Patrick Williams. Um, certainly a guy that, that we like, a very a raw talent, but his athleticism jumps off the page certainly fulfills a need for San Antonio at around 6'8", 225 pounds. So um, uh, from, a, from a fan's perspective, I know people in Atlanta probably don't love the prospect of that deal. From an ownership perspective and just the mentality of thinking like an owner, I think there are some legs there. I think it's not the sexiest deal, but I don't think it also really has a negative effect 
on like what Atlanta is building towards in the future and what they can do. And I think that they can still get someone who's pretty darn good at 11. I mean, they've sucked so bad for so long that all they have is, you know, young projects and, you know, Trey Young. With Vince Carter gone, they, they have no old heads, you know? Yeah. Who's the most veteran presence on that team right now? Is it Dwayne Dedman? <laughs> you know? So, and no shade to Dwayne Dedman. Loved him here in San Antonio. Um, but, and if, if a trade is made that centers around DeMar for six, Dedman might be coming back as, as a salary match. So, um, you know, I, I think if, if the Hawks really do want to have a, a winning season, uh, DeMar might, might be their best option. And I mean, offensively, the fit with him and Trey Young would be fun as a backcourt defensively they're probably going to continue to give up 140 points a game, but like, you know, they, that, that would be a a pretty high powered offense then. And, you know, with their other young talent, Uh, another possible Eastern conference team that might be feeling the heat and might be interested in, in something that the Spurs have is the Celtics Uh, with Hayward. They, so the team in Hayward initially his deadline to decide on his player option was before the draft. And today news is broken that they have mutually agreed to extend that deadline to Thursday after the draft, which to me means the team and, and Hayward are exploring sign and trade options, or at least other options other than him opting into a pretty high priced contract. So if he's not taking that guaranteed money, that means that there, there's something else out there. And Evan, something that you brought up on, on our last show talking about trades and free agency was a potential Hayward for Aldridge swap. And, yeah, I've been up for a while. Uh, some, some Celtics fans, it, the, the perception of LaMarcus Aldridge as an asset, I think is a really interesting thing around the league because everybody ha- has this idea of him of, you know, what he's been for the majority of his career as a bruising post-up mid-range, not really defender guy. And he's on an expiring deal. He's one of the only centers of his caliber where he can pick and pop space the floor. You can play five out with him and his defense isn't that bad. Like he'll still get cooked by Joel Embiid. I'm sure. But, it's, it's a, a deal that could make sense for the Celtics if they're looking to move on from Hayward and bring in a reliable center. Um, so have, have you heard anything else on that front? I, I just think that, in my opinion, and I've, I've had this view for a while, it just it makes a lot of sense. Let's say it's not – and let me, let me backtrack a little bit. This isn't a deal between the Spurs and the Celtics where it's the first call you make and let's get this done. It's like, if I'm Brian Wright, I'm calling up Danny Ainge and saying, hey, let's, let's have our draft night. Let's, let's see what's out there for our teams. Let's see if we can wheel and deal, find something that we love. If we get through draft night, nothing gets cooking. Let's make a deal. LaMarcus and Hayward swapping it it makes too much sense because it's 
pretty much what Boston needs. And Hayward also fulfills a role in San Antonio. And, and again, I, you know, this could also be done draft night where you can swap the picks or, or you know, the, whatever you might do with those picks, you can do a future asset, whatever it might be. It, you know, I don't want it to be like, it has to be done on draft night. It could be worked out in the future as well. Uh, certainly I think the Celtics would love to do something on draft night on a night where they have three picks, but it's just something that makes a lot of sense. And if you're San Antonio, I really think it might be a risk worth taking because let's be honest. Gordon Hayward went to a small market. Then he was a huge deal. Like, all right, I'm going to press the market and I'm going to be the big thing in Boston. That's going to be my choice. Didn't work out. Maybe he goes to San Antonio. Maybe he's successful once again, like he was in Utah. And maybe he signs back up with the Spurs. And again, we've talked a million times before. San Antonio is not a destination spot for free agents. So if you can work that year of bringing him into the system, showing him how he could be successful, showing him how he's an integral part of what they're building around the young core and how it's going to work, I think the Spurs can sell Gordon Hayward long-term. And you get to try it out for a year. You can bail out at the end of the year and say, you know what, this isn't what we're committing our money to. You don't even have to guess. You can see how it plays out. So I think that there is value in getting that swap, and it relatively costs you nothing. Sure, you're not getting a young asset. You're not getting anything significant in the deal. But long term, let's try it. I'm just saying let's try it and see how it works for a year. And guess what? If it doesn't, you can just say thank you. Have fun in free agency. Another part of that deal that I'm thinking about is if the Spurs do want to trade down, they could, they could introduce a pick swap and say, we'll give you 11 for 14 and 26 as Correct. part of this deal. Yep. You know, that might work. Evan, and then they can get like a Jalen Smith, somebody that right. they might covet a little bit lower. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of options and maybe the Spurs are, are more amenable to having two first round picks. Now I'll say this, they have two first round picks you're getting into a lot of guaranteed contracts, right? You got to, I mean, if you're going to do that, like Mezzi's probably got to be cut from the roster. You got to open up space. So there are some reverberating effects with that. But yeah, I think, you know, it gives them a couple of darts versus one dart. Evan, I think you hit the nail on the head, though, talking about small markets. I mean, this is how they have to operate. They're not los angeles or miami where they're going to get a meeting with every single free agent that comes out and we've seen milwaukee in the last 24 hours make two what the internet would call an overpay for these guys to come in and play alongside Giannis Antetokounmpo but these are the moves you have to make if you want to keep a guy like Giannis you know you bring in Drew Holiday Boyan Bodanovic uh you leverage the future to, to keep a guy like this and that's a franchise altering move both of these trades are franchise altering moves to keep contending and continue to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. That's what we're looking at with the Spurs here, franchise-altering potential with bringing in a guy like Gordon Hayward and sitting off DeMar DeRozan. Or, you know, if it's LaMarcus Aldridge and you're trading him for the number two pick, that's a franchise-altering move. You get another chance to bring in a potential superstar. If it's, if it's Denny, if it's, uh, if it's even, you know, Wiseman, or if you're trading DeMar to the number six pick and you're bringing in Patrick Williams, these are the moves that small markets have to make to, to, to stay relevant, to, to continue comp competing. 
So I just want to talk for a second about Patrick Williams trading up for him. I, I think there, there's a lot of noise that Detroit's interested at eight. There's, there's a lot of noise that, you know, he could go somewhere in that six to nine or 10 range. Um, I think he's a wonderful asset for the Spurs if he falls to 11. I don't think they should give up assets to acquire him at a higher pick. Um, I think if they're giving up assets, it's going to be for somebody who, in addition to having that high ceiling, has already demonstrated a little bit more on the court. You're saying um, like Golden State pick. Right. So, and, and this was a question we got in the mailbag, you know, if, if, they, if they trade LaMarcus Aldridge for the number two pick, as has been discussed with, with the Warriors, how do they how do they shore up the the big man depth? And at number two, the pick almost has to be Wiseman, Agreed. a guy who I'm not in love with. Um, I think he'll be a really good player, um, but like he'll be somewhere between Spicy Hassan Whiteside and David Robinson, and I have no idea where in that range he's going to fall. You know, and. Uh, so, but I, I think if they do trade up, I don't think it's going to be for a guy who could have potentially fallen to 11 anyway. I think it's going to have to be for somebody who's pretty universally recognized as more of a top tier asset that almost certainly wouldn't be available at 11, a guy like Denny or a guy like a Kong Wu. Um, I haven't seen Denny fall much further than five or six in any of these mock drafts. I haven't seen a Kongwu fall much further than eight or nine. Hot take. Okongwu better than James Wiseman. This is a take that's been discussed. This is a this is a a spicy one for sure. Um, but I mean Okongwu he he might be the best defender in this draft. It's it's him or Koro and they're different. Right, because Akangu is huge and Okoro yeah. is a little small for the Spurs. Um, and like he could play center for sure, maybe a little on the smaller side for a center, but like he's got he's got a center skill set and he's, I mean, he's more switchable for sure than Wiseman. Um, I think there's more shooting upside for Akangu than for Wiseman. Um, and I think that Akangwu's feel for the game and his, you know, ability to do the little things and uh, just everything I've, I've heard about him in the interview process is teams love him. Teams just love talking to this guy, love, love his mind, love his drive. Um, and I think that's probably the biggest difference between the two is at least, at least what's been reported and what, they've been discussed about as assets and as players and people is, you know, there are questions about Wiseman's, you know, interest, I guess. And I, I hate that. Cause it's like, you know, of, of course these guys love the game, but uh, you know, he, he only played three games at Memphis because he was declared ineligible. And uh, you know, it seems like the, the biggest question about him is his, his legs like on the court, like his, his, his body, his legs. And it seems like he's just been like working out the pretty boy muscles, you know, like, like his, his top half has gotten more jacked, but, but his legs still don't look that big. Um, 
And Akangu, I mean, he's built like a, I, I don't even, he's, he's built like a dump truck. He's, he's huge. He's, he's a, he's a jacked dude. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think for, if, if they're trading Aldridge though, then if you trade Aldridge and you take a Kongwu, you got to bring Jakob Pertl back. And that's another thing that we can talk about is draft is Wednesday and then free agency starts Thursday, and we'll yep. see what kind of offers Jakob Pertl gets. And before we just put a seal on this very quickly, because I know James Wiseman around a Spurs circle got a little love because he studied uh, guys like Tim Duncan and, and the Admiral. Uh, do you see any sort of comparisons between David Robinson and James Wiseman build-wise? And if the Spurs would maybe be interested in saying, well – we had somebody built like this before and it worked out pretty darn good. We have a good foundation of how to make this successful. Would that be something that you think is in the realm of possibility? I feel like anytime there's a guy, a, a top prospect who's like seven foot seven, one and jacked, he gets some sort of David Robinson comps <laughs> and I get it. And you know, one of, one of the things that goes around Spurs Twitter at least once a week is a, a set of old highlights of David and, and everybody saying, oh my God, him in today's game, like he would have been incredible. It, he would have been impossible to stop. And so, so there's certainly some element of this would be cool if he could reach that. Yeah. Um, but you got to remember that, I mean, David started his NBA career at what, 23, 24. Yeah. And Wiseman's a kid. And um, you know, Right now, he projects as sort of a rim protector, pick and roll guy. Mm-hmm. Um, like early in his career, um, if he can if he can develop, it'll be he'll he'll be a really scary player. Um, but he could also wind up being just another center. So, yep. is his ceiling is probably higher than most? Maybe maybe every prospect except Lamelo Ball mm-hmm. in this draft, but. I don't know where the floor is either. So it's, it's tough. It would be a gamble at two. It, it, it would be a gamble anywhere. And, and to be fair, all of these guys, every single one of these players has some knock on them. There's, there's, no, there's no 99 overall in this draft. You know, yeah. Everybody's got their limitations. So it just, it's going to come down to fit and, and what the Spurs are looking for. To your point, Evan, I mean, this is an organization. If they look at the guy and they say, you know, maybe he is the guy we want to try to build and shape and we think we can do that, they've got two guys hanging around the organization and Tim Duncan and David Robinson who will work with him and spend time with him. You know, Robinson's not with the team, but he's a guy who is still in shape and is still around and is still a mentor to some of these guys. And then Tim Duncan is taking an assistant capacity, not full time, but he's going to be there at practices doing his developmental roles that he's done since he retired. So, I mean, if those two guys can work with a guy like Wiseman, I think that bodes well for him. It's probably two people who, you know, could help shape his career better than anywhere else he could go. So that's a good, a good sign here. I don't know if there's going to be a way for them to get him, but yeah. And how about David Robinson in those Fiesta uniforms? I, I mean, was going to say. You want to talk about shoring up the, the frontline depth? Bring him back. He still can play 10 minutes a game, right? Like, I don't understand how he's still, like, his shoulders are still huge. 
Like that, that guy is an absolute unit. Um, yeah, there, I, I was feeling some type of way seeing David in that jersey on that court still just ripped out of his mind. Uh, and I want to cover the Fiesta jerseys because it was a very, very big announcement for uh, congratulations to all the Twitter warriors and everybody on – oh, my New York accent just came out there. All the Twitter <laughs> warriors uh, and, and everybody on social media who have been persistent over years to make sure that San Antonio gets Fiesta Unis. Um, I, I, we did get some stuff in the mailbag about this, which is why I want to cover it. Uh, first and foremost, people ask, why did it take so long? And one of the rumors I heard, not recently, like – a uh, year or two ago was San Antonio and team brass was waiting for things to get dicey in the sense of they're not a, 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 a title contender or, you know, they're not necessarily getting all the, 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 the 50 and 60 win seasons that makes it super easy to come out to games. We're pretty much there, right? We are, you know, when we think about the Spurs, they are a bubble sort of playoff team. If that, they're rebuilding a solid young core, kids that we believe in, but certainly a little ways away from being in contention for a title, especially factoring in a pandemic. Funds are low or lower, I should say. I'm not saying that, you know, the Hulks are, are on the street scraping for money, but everyone's taking a hit. So the perfect storm I think really comes together to say, Hey, we need to energize our fan base from an on-court perspective. We also would like more money. It's time to unleash the Fiesta uniforms. So that's sort of just a, a background of a rumor I heard in the past really making sense now. And even beyond that, why the military ones, uh, I saw somebody say that partnership with USAA, we are military city USA. I think it is a, a natural partnership, whether they're sponsorships and payments, whatever it might be, you know, um, I, I won't necessarily go into all of that. That's normal business. Just saying that San Antonio trying to connect its organization with the military in a heavily military city makes complete sense also from an organizational standpoint and just a, a, a business savvy standpoint. Um, but the third point, when the jerseys dropped, who did we see? DeJounte, Keldon, Lonnie, uh, all Lyles. the young. Yeah, uh, Trey Lyles, all the youngins. Keldon, uh, yeah. Said, yeah, why, why were none of the vets? And I don't want to run away with this. I think people are, are saying, well, we, you know, that just shows you that none of the vets are going to be there. Mills is gone. DeMar is gone. LaMarcus is gone. I don't necessarily think of it like that. I do think a part of it is yes. Um, who knows that these guys are going to be in San Antonio much longer? Who knows that they're going to be in San Antonio much longer beyond one year, two year? In the end, when you're marketing and you're, you're, you're marketing uh, jerseys, which are predominantly oriented towards the youth, I don't imagine many 40 to 50 to 60-year-olds uh, – rushing out and saying like, I need to get a Fiesta uniform. They're probably getting those Fiesta uniforms for their kids. 
that's the big thing. And, and no shame because I would be one of those 40, 50, 60 year olds getting a Fiesta uniform for myself. But that's besides the point. What I'm saying is it makes sense when you're having a youthful movement, especially with jerseys, which are heavily geared towards a demographic that's younger to show off the younger guys on the team to make the two and two come together. Oh, I mean, look at all these young, cool kids wearing the jerseys. You should too. And, you know, and it could also be something where, look, the vets get to stay home and not do this. The young kids, you got to <laughs> right. come in and do the jersey stuff. Like it could be as simple as that and we're all overthinking it. But that's – I want to go through all those thought processes that, I, that I've had during the jersey stuff and what I've seen and wanted to address it all. So the thing, the thing with the models that they selected um, – I, I think you're absolutely right that, I mean, look, if, you, if you're looking at a Venn diagram, right, and one circle is people who have been cyberbullying the Spurs for years trying to get Fiesta jerseys, and the other circle is people who love this youth movement, it's almost a circle, right? Like, yeah. there's, there's a, a great deal of overlap there, so... I don't know if they were looking at that data and saying, okay, yeah, this probably makes the most sense. But, I mean, you know, when these photos were taken, DeMar had not opted into his contract. Uh, Patty, I believe, was in Australia at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, yeah. And the- August could have been, I mean, training. I mean, he pretty much, he could have done this. But, you know, this isn't LaMarcus's deal either. He's, this is not his scene. So. Right. I'm. I'm sure if they called him up and were like, hey, do you want to do this? He probably would have been like, eh, not really. I'm, I'm hanging out watching movies with my kids, you know, yeah. like, you know, but, and, and the excitement from Lonnie when he, when he opened his and FaceTimed his mom and she was like, can we get one? That was the cutest thing in the entire world. Um, I, I just love the genuine excitement about this from Spurs fans who needed a win. I mean, it's been a tough year for for everybody uh and i mean really the only two bright spots for me are those fiesta jerseys and uh two chains new video which is a hall and oats cover that slaps so <laughs> the bubble the bubble wasn't a highlight for you the bubble the bubble was all right and you know achieving a lifelong dream of talking to greg Popovich, sure whatever but mainly two chains and the fiesta <laughs> jerseys um if you haven't if you haven't watched can't go for that Go do it right now. But, I mean, uh, you guys are you guys are absolutely correct. It's no coincidence that the first year they missed the playoffs. Hey, look, Fiesta jerseys. But also, I don't think it's any coincidence too that less than twenty four hours after they announced the DeRozan opt in, they've gotten. I'm showing my phone here a edited jersey picture of uh, Demar and his Fiesta jersey. There it is. A contractual thing. We can't show off our guy in the jersey when he's not under the deal. There he is in it on their uh, website, heavily photoshopped. So uh, go check that out if you uh, need to see Demar in it. You know, the, when the announcement came out, I was like, "This is awesome! I'm first in line. I'm I'm getting a jersey." And then I had to sit there and think, "But I mean, whose jersey am I going to get? Do I get a legend, or do I get one of these young guys and hope that Keldon Johnson's with the team for another ten years?" The, or- the key is the key is you always get Johnson because down the line the Spurs are going to get another Johnson. <laughs> So that's the, that's another you know, <laughs> you know? That, that's why I have true. my it's favorite Spurs personal. jersey. The one I wear, the Spurs jersey I wear all the time is a Stephen Jackson one because it says Jackson across the back. That's my name. 
It always yeah. works. It never goes out of style. So <laughs> that's awesome. And I've got the Selena, uh, the uh, Rihanna, Dennis Rodman one too that I bust out from yes. time to time. I, I think the thing with a basketball jersey, the big question is where and why do you wear it? Uh, outside, I don't know if I'll be wearing this outside of the AT and T Center much. Uh, I I don't know if I'll be allowed to because I, I actually, with my my journalistic integrity and whatnot, I probably shouldn't. But uh, I, I, you can. I will say, Tom, you're, you're allowed to sleep in your Lonnie Walker jersey. Okay, I'll do that then. Yeah. It, it just makes me feel close to him, you know? Uh, so, but I mean, yeah, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's fun and it's exciting. And it's, it's something that this community has uh, wanted and deserved for a long time. So Now, uh, Tom, do you want to put yourself in the shoes of a uh, Houston Rockets fan who went out and bought a Russell Westbrook jersey last year? Uh, what, what do you say to those people? Now, how are you feeling in that situation? Man. See, Not to like, make you live like a, like a Houston or think like a Houston Rockets fan, but. You, you might as well have asked me like, you know, put yourself in the shoes of a Komodo dragon. What are you <laughs> hungry for? Like, I can't relate to that mindset at all. So, uh, you know, if, if you are, somebody who has bad enough taste to be a Rockets fan and a Russell Westbrook fan at the same time. And you got that Jersey. Um, my only advice is to just, you know, hold the L and uh, cry about it. Like, like you're at a sub shop. <laughs> oh, hold the L sprinkle, sprinkle some tomatoes on there. We're good. Man. Yeah, no, I, remember I, I forget which podcast it was but somebody we we joke we laugh we have fun here somebody mentioned like you know what if what if Harden or Westbrook came came to the Spurs and I just I, I laughed I laughed because <laughs> like Evan laughed so hard since I was a little girl <laughs> Evan if we're no, a sub shop Tom is getting extra relish right now. This is what this is all about. <laughs> oh, I, I for sure am there's, relishing there's this, the first, There's the first Jacksonian pun of the day. That's what I'm surprised it took this long. I know. Oh, so. so there, the over hit, whereas Tom <laughs> under hit earlier, and time you, is a flat circle. Remember that. I'm breaking Absolutely. even regardless. Uh, so, uh, But, I mean, if this is the final frontier for the Houston Rockets and Harden is in Brooklyn or Philadelphia or wherever he is – Where's the landing spot for Westbrook? I don't see one out there. There's not a, a line of people who are, who are getting him. We've mentioned maybe Charlotte. Uh, Michael Jordan has mentioned bringing in the, uh, the I guess, the, the contemporary face of the Jordan franchise right now to Charlotte. But that's going to be uh, – I don't know if they're going to pay what Houston wants for him. The funniest thing that I have seen in – and there's been a lot. There's, there's been a lot of good rocket slander on my timeline. But uh, – Somebody said, imagine you're putting together, like, you know, you, you get a call from, from the Rockets GM and you're, you're putting together your, your package for James Harden. And then they're like, so what can you give us for Westbrook? <laughs> uh, the, like, from what I'm hearing, um, you know, for, from people more plugged in than me, the market for Russell Westbrook right now with that contract is just not there. Um, Yo, the Knicks are saying no. Do you know how Dolan, bad it has to be when, when James Dolan, Dolan is like mm. no to a marketable star in the NBA and says, "Hey, we're looking at Fred Van Bleet. That's a problem. <laughs> That's that is the zenith. That is like, yo, you got a problem on your hands. 
Like, yeah. you know, if you can't rip off the Knicks, where are you supposed to go? And that, that dude, you know he would average like 30, 15, 15, oh. and 15 turnovers every game in the garden and, and just like, you know, scream into the rafters where they don't have a new banner since 1970-whatever. Uh, and, and that idea, even James Dolan is like, mm, nah. Um, but yeah, the Rockets, man, um, the Covington thing to me indicates that they're, uh, not as on board with running it back as they have, uh, publicly, uh, intimated, like, Absolutely. you know, they're, they're saying that cause they have to say that because they have contract control of James Harden for two more years and they don't want to be like, well, yeah, we're screwed. I guess we got we got to offload these two players for whatever we can. Um, but I mean, it's it's going to be hard. It's and especially if he's like, it's Brooklyn or nothing. Yeah, you know. Um, you know what? Like, Houston could very well. I don't think they're going to. I think they're gonna they're gonna deal in the Brooklyn, and Brooklyn's gonna give a. Uh, a crazy package of picks and maybe, you know, Allen and I don't know. I don't know how the money's going to work and what prospects will come back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to, the Rockets will get uh, a, a solid chunk of the Nets youthful core, I think, which is solid, you know, which is, which is notable. Um, but, you know, what would be wrong if Houston just said, look, James, no, like, we're gonna we're gonna have you and Westbrook figure it out, and let's let's see if it works. Now, I, you mentioned the deal with Portland signals that they're going to deal. They're gonna they're gonna make the deal. I, I think you would have won Covington back if you really wanted to try this and say, look, we're gonna have a a heart to heart, and we're gonna figure it out. Like Covington is the guy you bring back, right? You just exactly. Don't so the fact that they traded Covington away for picks proves that they're kind of built. They're rebuilding. I don't know if they have the deal worked out for Harden yet, but it looks like they're ready to regain all their assets that they lost with the Westbrook deal and to start positioning themselves into a new generation moving forward. I was listening to uh, and GM. I was listening to Winhorst on the Low Post, um, and he said that. Basically, in his mind, they were either going to trade all of Russell Westbrook, James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Robert Covington, or none of them. Mm-hmm. And to start with Covington, who you're absolutely right, he's like the best. He's outside of Harden, and you know, he's probably the easiest guy to move out and, of those and four. And that's probably why. I mean, Portland paid in. They paid two first rounders for him. Yeah, is probably a little bit of an overpay, but. It's probably what they needed to do to tell Houston, hey, if you're thinking about blowing this thing up, we will give you two first-rounders and we'll make it really Right easy now, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and absolutely. And Houston's a team that kind of needs first-rounders. They, you know, they sent quite a few with Chris Correct. Paul to yeah. the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> I mean, where is Sam Presti on his redemption arc for letting a team with Westbrook, Durant, and Harden implode? You know, he now has traded Westbrook for Chris Paul and then sent Chris Paul for more assets. You know, he's building kind of the biggest wealth of picks we've seen since Boston. You know, the fact that he was able to trade Chris Paul on that contract 
And and the fact that that team was able to play so well, led by Chris Paul, when everybody just assumed they would, you know, be the dregs of the West. Um, I mean, it, it's it's really it's impressive. Um, obviously, they haven't won a championship. Obviously, they missed their window with KD and Harden and Ibaka and Westbrook. But like, I mean, in terms of stockpiling assets, they they're doing it without without the process you know they're taking the the mentality of the process and just applying it to roster management um which is is without the taking and it's i mean you have to commend presti um remains to be seen like you know where it goes from now but they've got like 40 first round picks between now and 2027 like it's it's just gonna be and and with the deal that new orleans got yeah, I, I saw, for I saw AD, like, a video. Yeah, <laughs> I saw a video where it's like the, the, the next, Jackie Moon one. Yeah, next Jackie quarter, Moon and Coffee Black passing it back and forth. Or I was gonna say there's like they, there's a video where they butted Adam Silver saying, and with this pick the the Thunder take, and with this pick the Pelicans take, and they just rolled it for like 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> That's gonna be our future drafts. But I do want to say, uh, Shams Trania just tweeted out the Rockets and Wizards had discussed a deal centered on what Russell Westbrook for John Wall and no traction yet. The Rockets are seeking more assets. Ooh. John Wall is one of the only players in the world with a worse contract than Russell Westbrook right now. So, you know, and, and And he's coming off like 18 months of not playing. So, I mean, like, that it's it's kind of a a good move, I would say, for Houston to say, "Hey, we'll take that John Wall contract off your hands. You got to take Russ from us, and we need a little bit more because that contract still sucks so much com- compared to what we got with Russ going on." So um, that's that's a that's a good shift, and it it keeps you competitive if John Wall, you know, is anything, you know what we think he could be. I mean, he's looked so, good in lifetime fitness videos this yeah. summer, which as we all know, the, the best indicator of how a player is going to play in the upcoming season is how they play 30, lifetime fitness. Yeah, a, a 35 second I'm, clip. I'm waiting for those Andre Drummond threes uh, in, in the regular season. But like, I mean, let's, let's say the Rockets decide to blow it up completely. The return from Brooklyn would would be huge. Um, yeah. It would be Levert and Dinwiddie and Jared Allen. Might need to include some other players. And, I mean, they're talking about, like, three first-rounders and two pick swaps. Something I, honestly, insane like that. I don't, hate, I don't hate that deal for Houston. Like, I don't either. Yeah. I think it's a smart move. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And that's, you know, it would be one thing if you wanted to – have the heart to heart and bring everyone back and say, let's do this. But if you're looking to just hit the eject button and just kind of clean slate with, with everything changing within the organization, like the nets have a great young core, you know, and that's, that's, if you're Brooklyn, you have to ask yourself, is it worth, like, is it worth it on their end? And it probably the answer is yes. But what we're all joking about, Everybody on social media, Harden, Kyrie, and Durant working together, okay? You have Durant, who is emotional. 
Let's just be honest. That's his history. One of the world's greatest players, but uh, he's emotional. Kyrie Irving, I mean, that dude has caused issues within his locker room everywhere he's gone. One of the world's greatest players, but he does come with that as well. And then James Harden, who honestly, there's no personal baggage like the other two, but the fact of the matter is, you know, Harden demands the ball so often. Like, is he going to be okay? Is he going to be okay taking a step back? Um, and is Kyrie going to be okay being the third option? Like, I just, I can't believe that. I can't believe Kyrie might say it, but I just do not believe it. So I, I, think just, they... I, I see, I can, I just don't see that trio working out. I think it might be one of the best three that's ever been brought together, arguably as good as the Golden State Warriors. But there is just a lot to figure out there and who's going to lead them Steve Nash that's a risk right you got a player coach out there in his first season ever I mean that's ah. that's the part of this whole thing that I've got the biggest issue with it's not like Phil Jackson coming in and coaching Shaq and Kobe two prima donnas who you know he kind of had to hold in line or a guy like uh Spolster with Riley over him you know Riley at least was there as Spolster was coming in and being a first-time coach under the Miami Heat big three, Steve Nash and, and Amari Stoudemire and Mike D'Antoni are your coaching staff. Um, I don't, I, I, I could see this imploding before I could see them winning a finals. So I think that the discussion of, can they make it work with only one basketball? Of course they can. Like, I, I think that the basketball, especially the offense would be, Tremendous. It would be it would be some of the best we've ever seen. Um, I I think that the the issue would be more the off court stuff, and I think I think the reason for the Nets not to do the trade is because they would have to nuke not only their depth but all of their assets to accomplish something that, in addition to being you know it's sure it's one of the most uh, talented trios ever assembled but probably among the most volatile. Uh, Evan, when you were discussing the, uh, you know, the, the history of the three, there, there's a, a Harden doesn't have the emotional baggage, but he's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and, and here's the thing with Harden, right? Like you have watched everybody. You're, 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 what do I want to say here? Like, I don't want to say colleagues, but you're the people who are similar to you, right? The contemporaries. Like, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, Vocab points. You know, Jackson. Durant, right? Durant. You, you saw Durant move the Golden State, win his championship. Uh, you know, you've seen LeBron do it. Uh, you've seen just a, a slew of these guys move to get their championship. If Harden goes to Brooklyn to get with a big three and doesn't win a championship it only increases that like, oh my God, dude, what is going on with you in the postseason? What is going on with you in the playoffs? That like, would make him the, the biggest and, loser. And, and let me tell you this also, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving went to Brooklyn to be a little bit out of the spotlight and also enjoy New York. This is the only way that the Knicks will not be the front page of embarrassment. The New York media will absolutely roast the Nets all season long, including when they start out as a team and they off the expectations and they're not going to be great out of the gates. They are going to light them up. And how are they going to react? Because 
the New York, the New York media is just relentless. And that's why they went to Brooklyn. That's why they didn't want to go to the Nets. Oh, got, so there's one player whose name we haven't mentioned on the Nets, and that's uh, you know DeAndre Jordan, who was considered a third piece to this team. You know, the the scuttlebutt when Durant Nerving went there was you know that DeAndre Jordan was going to be the the linchpin there, that third guy they wanted to play with. They both wanted to play with DeAndre Jordan. He's the the third biggest contract on that team right now, and has to be a piece in this trade to make contracts work, right? I mean, I, I've spent countless hours with the trade machine and i'm not a gm but i can't make it work in there um i, I don't know how, how this trade works without deandre jordan and have durant and irving decided to move on from him what if you throw kyrie irving in <laughs> I, i'm kind of okay. that. I'm, not joking, dude. I'm not joking i think that kyrie can absolutely be thrown into another deal i i would want to cash out on him that's just me it would be so funny if that happened before him and kd ever played a game together and, be amazing. I mean, my God, that would be ridiculous. Um, but I, I don't know. The, the thing with the Rockets, though, and with Harden, with this whole situation, this was a, a banger of a tweet I had last night. Uh, it's very similar to what Kawhi did to the Spurs, except Harden is being upfront with the team, and his only chronic medical condition is choking in the playoffs. That's it. I mean... And this was something that was talked about on, on low post yesterday uh, where, you know, they, they were like, well, you know, we saw AD and Kyrie get out of their contracts or, you know, forced trades. And, and they mentioned all the guys who have forced trades except for Kawhi. Uh, and it, it, it took until later in the show uh, for, for Zach Lowe to mention Kawhi. And he, he did. And he, you know, he, I think he had the biggest issue with Kawhi out of all of those guys. Um, but Can we address something real quick. I'm sure. tired of seeing the takes of people saying, well, I mean, look at the haul that, you know, oh New Orleans God. was able to get for Anthony Davis or such and such. I mean, look at, you know, the Drew Holiday trade. Man, the, the Spurs really just got p- pennies on the dollar for Kawhi Leonard without taking, you know, that's sure at face value, you got to look below the surface at the situation Kawhi put the Spurs in, right? Like, uh, context I, is important. I, and, Look, I'm speaking to everyone probably who's listening because obviously we're, we're focused towards Spurs fans. But people who say that just are being lazy. Uh, it's, mainly la- it's mainly Lakers fans who are salty and trolling. Like they're still annoyed that they didn't get Kawhi even though they won the title this year. And, 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 and I am not like, again – you know, I work in San Antonio. I have no allegiances to the Spurs. I call like I see it. I, I really do. And I'll just tell you this, that if Kawhi went to Toronto, if Kawhi went to Toronto and they blew up spectacularly and it didn't work out, teams still to this day would not be giving crap for one-year rentals. It's because Kawhi went to Toronto, won a championship, that it makes it acceptable to do that because it's proof that it works. And before that deal, or before Kawhi did that, no one wanted to give up assets. The Lakers, they didn't want Kawhi. Oh, a one-year deal? Ha, ha, ha. We're not going to give that to you. Then what they did the next year? They gave every single asset for Anthony Davis. That was the ripple effect that Kawhi created. And San Antonio didn't have precedent of somebody doing that before Kawhi. They needed to trade that's, Kawhi. That's a really excellent point that I have not uh, thought too much about, Evan. But, yeah, that, I mean, that makes perfect sense. If you – you know, and, and that, was, that was another thing. Like, these guys don't – come up in trade availability, but now they do. And, you know, you, you can trace it back to, 
the way Kyrie worked his way out of out of Cleveland. There have been other players that have have you know sort of taken their destiny and, and power in their own hands, uh, but nobody ever did it like Kawhi, and no team that ever gave up you know anything for a player like that has has made that championship push. Um, so so yeah, he the the value for him, the trade value was very low, very depressed because of his actions. And Raptors got a good deal and it, it paid off in spades for them. But, you know, if, if you're going to, in, in the year of our Lord, 2020, <laughs> see every single NBA trade and be like, Oh wow. Pop was really dumb for letting Kawhi go for pennies. Like, Read a book. I don't know. Yeah, just it, it, Google it. it. Just, it's not. It's not at all. No, it just. It's no, and it, it's. It's just a lazy take. It. It really is with no given thought process, um, and it's hindsight. And sure, we can look at things now and say like, oh man, what a weak, what a weak deal that was. But like, we have to give perspective, and um, you know, like we want to give perspective, like before and after. Uh, you know, Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. Objectively, an awful deal. We knew it then, and it turned out to be awful now. That deal was so complicated, and just to, like, bl- like just say on a blank hand, it's like, oh, well, they should have got more picks. Well, it's like, eh, we need, like, a 25-minute discussion on why this all happened the way it happened. <laughs> so right. Tom showed me the meme of the week um, yesterday, and it is DeAndre Hopkins going up for that Hail Mary catch, but instead of the football, it's Chris Paul's head. <laughs> it's the best phoenix doing phoenix, big man. things somebody I, I saw somebody on twitter say that uh houston got more firsts for covington than for deandre hopkins that sent me uh <laughs> but like i mean that's really funny yeah houston sports man i the here's the thing with the with the harden trade like i still don't know if it's going to happen because brooklyn has every reason to be reserved about it and if it doesn't happen, oh my God, how funny would that be? Mm-hmm. What a mess. What an absolute disaster that would be for the Rockets if they, if they can't find a way to jettison him and, and get assets back. And then he's just like miserable and like, I don't know, dribbling out the clock. Oh, Evan, you got to show us that puppy. Oh, <laughs> hey, Shay, say hello. Oh, hi, Shay. Why did he name you after the Mets? <laughs> no, it's, it's after notable San Antonio sports writer, uh, Spurs okay. fan, and I mean, it, New York Times best-selling author, Shay Serrano. Serrano fan, so. Well, guys, we got to address some breaking Houston news uh, right here in the pod, you know, talking about the Westbrook to Wall trade. Um, I, I quickly want to hit, hit the draft. I know that, you know, when 24 hours, we're going to know who's suiting up for the silver and black from there. Um, if you guys had to give a one-line prediction with the blank pick, the San Antonio Spurs pick blank, who, who are you going with? Uh, um, okay, I'll say this. If they, um, I really do think the Sadiq Bay thing is picking up steam. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Like Devin Vassell would have been my my pick like days ago. But as we're inching closer, I'm like, man, I kind of think Sadiq Bay and Tom Petrini are gonna have like a beautiful marriage in the end. Wait, I, is that with the eleventh pick? 
Just stay in pat. Stand pat. If, All right. I will say if the Spurs do trade up, I I kind of, you know, I, I think there's a lot of noise out there for Patrick Williams. Would not be surprised if they got Patrick Williams. But I do think uh, James Wiseman, maybe they get to two. And maybe they take Wiseman. It seems like they, you know, there could be some like David Robinson spin again. Just like, you know, uh, they might just say this guy's an athletic freak, and we're going to figure it out. Yeah, I, I think so. I've I've seen a lot of mocks in the past week. More more mocks than I've ever seen that have Vassell Paul fall past the Spurs. I haven't seen a lot of those, um, but recently I've seen him falling out of that top 10 and, you know, down as far as like, you know, 13, 14 with the Spurs taking Sadiq Bay in that scenario. Um, we've, we've heard that the Spurs are high on Bay. Um, and if the Spurs stand pat, I think it's, it's Sadiq Bay, Patrick Williams, or Vassell at 11. If I, if I had, it, it, I had to pick one, It's it's probably Vassell if he's available. I think if those two are available, they'll probably take Vassell. All right. Um, so we, we got Sadiq Bay, maybe James Wiseman. We got Devin Vassell down here. Um, th- what the Spurs do best in the draft is find the guy who drops. Right at twenty nine last year, it was Keldon Johnson. The year before, how did Lonnie Walker fall? It could have been Brandon Spurs? Clark with the Lucas Shamanich pitch pick too, and they didn't yeah. do that. You know, but you know, we'll, 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 hold, let me make my point. <laughs> I'm just so, saying. Just Kelton, out of objectivity. Okay, all right, all right, that's fair. Kelton Johnson falls. For now, though, for now, we don't know with Luca. Don't get me on that rant again. Lonnie Walker kind of falls, you know, maybe injury. He could have been a lottery guy. Uh, DeJounte Murray, he's, he's a fall guy, if you will, you know, someone who could have been the lottery. Uh, there's going to be a guy who's projecting this top 10 who falls to the Spurs in the 11. Maybe a guy who's projected top five who falls to the Spurs at 11. So with the 11th pick, the San Antonio Spurs pick, Denny, he's coming to the Spurs at number 11. That one's for my, okay. my Spurs Twitter family out there. Zero percent chance of that happening. Yeah. Maybe, maybe a Kongwu. Maybe a Kongwu. Maybe a Koro. I don't even. I think. I think slim chance on a Koro. I think. I think a slim chance on Obi Toppin. Yes, I was about to say I, that. I think. I think if you're talking about the guy who slips and San Antonio pounces on. That's Obi Toppin for me. And yeah. I've discussed it on our, our, our draft podcast before. I'll say it again. I think the Spurs and what they built with their young core, I really do think Obi Toppin fits in beautifully. He yeah. is a defensive nightmare potentially. Like really, it could, it could be very bad. Very, very bad. Like the way that Spurs fans talk about DeMar DeRozan could be like Obi Toppin. But again, we talked about DeMar in the bubble. When you surround Obi Toppin, with Lonnie Walker, with uh, with a Keldon Johnson, with a Dejounte Murray, with a Derek White, I guarantee you, you can find Obi Toppin as a pretty damn good player, and you would essentially get to mitigate his defensive losses, and then also accentuate his his offensive prowess. Because I think he is the best offensive player in the draft, and probably one of the only players in this draft, maybe arguably with Lamelo Ball. Uh, who can average 20 a game, you know, maybe yeah. Anthony Edwards, if he hits a ceiling, uh, I, I would say probably Anthony Edwards actually also too. Cause if there's one thing he can do is probably going to be a volume shooter and put up a ton of points on a crappy team. But um, I think Obi Toppin would be so, 
so good for the Spurs. I mean, and Jackson, it, you were talking about Blake Griffin earlier in the show, right? Like, this is this is 22-year-old. Like, I mean, the way he jumps, the way he moves, uh, he's a scoring machine. He would be a prototype pick-and-pop, pick-and-roll guy who can create his own, who can post up. Uh, and from what I've heard, his defense, he's been – he knows that that's his weakest area, right? And so he's been working on that lateral quickness. He's been trying to show teams, hey, this is something that I can improve on. Like, like there's definitely room for growth here. I'm not hard-capped as this hunched forward minus defender. Because uh, he's, he's got the tools. He's got the smarts. He's got the experience to be a good defender if he locks in on that end. Likeability through the roof. Uh, you, you haven't heard a bad thing about this guy Again, a dude that was not recruited out of high school, so a late bloomer. Uh, Derek White is a late bloomer as well, and I think San Antonio is happy with how he's progressing throughout his career. So uh, late bloomers are great. Why are they great? Because they worked their damn ass off, because that's how they were built to have any sort of success before, they were given God, uh, before their God-given abilities were gifted to them later in their lives. So, um, yeah, Obi Toppin's a name to watch. That is – a guy that I, I'm crossing fingers for San Antonio fans that he drops because I think he would be a home run in San Antonio. Um, if the Spurs were to trade down in the draft, I, you know, I do think there is something to the, uh, the Jalen the Smith buzz uh, surrounding San Antonio liking him. So I, I like him too. That, yeah. Uh, I saw, you know, I, I sent a video out to this group of just like, you know, a workout video, which of course take workout videos with a grain of salt. But uh, his handles look nice, his shot look nice. And for somebody at 6'10", moving that fluid, you know, the, you know sign me up for that. Uh, and, you know, I, I certainly still have questions surrounding um, him a little bit defensively, whatever it might be. But again, if the Spurs move down, I can see them kind of getting a, a Jalen Smith and making that a bit more palatable of a pick later first round versus 11 where i think that's definitely a reach so yep. whether they're picking at two i think if a coro drops they might take him a coro drops they might take him if a kongwu drops into that eight or nine they might try to trade up a couple spots to yeah. get him um if if obi's there at 11 i'm almost sure they'll take him yeah. um i i don't think they'll take killian hayes if he's the the guy that drops and I, I think that a lot of these teams in the top are more focused yeah, on guard. So I would be surprised if there was a better guard than Kira Lewis available. I'm a, I'm a big Killian Hayes guy. You know that. But um, certain that, that's my opinion. Uh, but I can see the Spurs maybe waiting to the second round and hoping Malachi Flynn or a Teo Maladon drops and getting them later in the draft in the second round. Uh, I think Malachi Flynn probably has a good chance of going in the first round I think he'll he'll end up sneaking in on some teams um tail Maladon who was supposed to be a lottery pick has fallen way down but there's the Tony Parker connection um and then I think my, my hot take coming into the draft is that LaMelo Ball will not go number one overall yeah I I can see that I can see I can see the uh Timberwolves taking Anthony Edwards just because he would be uh an easier fit off ball with uh, D'Angelo Russell. Um, Just got rid of Wiggins. Why not get another one back? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one thing with Wiseman is he's basically said like, yeah, the only people who've kept in in contact are the Warriors and and the Hornets. Uh, 
And he, I don't think, wants to go to a Timberwolves team with Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, so I, th- I think we can safely assume guard at one, and it's probably going to be Anthony Edwards. Not, maybe not probably. Yeah. Possibly. Man, I would really – I really do think the Timberwolves should try to trade the pick to the next – have the Knicks take on the mellow ball. I really like, I really do. I really think, I really think the best pick for, for Minnesota is a Coro. I think that's the best pick for them. I yeah. think he's a great defender. Yeah. Sure. He has a you know, his ceiling is, is enormous if he can figure out his shot, but regardless, if you're going to build your team around Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, and you're giving up 140 a game, why not just get a dude who's going to lock up somebody? And I just, yeah. I just think that's a better fit than adding LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo is just going to make it a beautiful mess in Minnesota. Like, oh, man, they're going to score 100. They're going to score 140, and they're going to give up 155. Like, it's going it, to be an exciting game whenever you play them because you know what they're going to do. It's just – I don't know. And, and, and I've talked about it before. I don't – you know, we know everything about the LaMelo uh, – the, the Ball family. And that's not to put what his father does on LaMelo. But I certainly don't think that – he's going to want to make Minnesota his lifelong destination. He's awful. He's been awful during interviews and uh, teams have been overwhelmingly underwhelmed with how this pre-draft process has gone with LaMelo. And I just think he could scare off a bunch of teams as far as everything else besides the, the basketball stuff. Because when you look at the tape of just, you can't find six, seven guards like him, you know, off trees. Right. He, he has a skill set that is very coveted. You just want to see him in the Mecca. I'm just saying it, it works perfectly. <laughs> and now eight might be too low for the Wolves. You'd have to get a ton of picks. I just think Okoro fits. So I just like, I want Minnesota to take Okoro. Cause I just think that is like, I think that's the perfect fit for them. And they're a team that probably should trend a little bit more towards need than like the best player available because they just made a, they just made that deal to make a push for the playoffs and to be competitive, you know, I, I like, I just don't know what they're going to look like just throwing three explosive players out there with, with no regard for defensive prowess. I just, however this draft plays out, I mean, we're going to know in a little over 24 hours. I'm yeah. excited. I know you guys are excited. Um, and Evan and I, uh, when the, when the clock starts ticking, we're going to go live on at big fun on Twitter and uh, Facebook, YouTube, Jackson? Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to be on all platforms here. So, all platforms. Uh, Woo! Keep an eye out on Kins 5 on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook uh, for all of your draft coverage tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited to see who suits up for the silver and black, uh, who wears a, who dons the Fiesta jersey from this uh, draft oh, class yeah. here. So. Give them a Fiesta hat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, the, the old logo on it or the new Fiesta stripes on see, it. Yeah, they, and that's, look – I'll say this as somebody who's, uh, who's older. I'm not like, uh, you know, crazy old, but I would certainly buy a Jersey to hang up on a wall, but, uh, I would, I would buy that hat in a second to wear. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fun, man. There's, there's nothing better than Fiesta colors. And, and like you said, Jax, I'm really excited to see who gets to wear them next. I, I think it would be difficult for the Spurs to, pick a bad player with 11 or whatever they trade 11 for. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll be here talking about it live, keeping an eye on who's dropping, uh, yeah. get, getting all of those 
Woj and Shams bombs and uh, keeping you up to date and we'll be ready for live analysis. We'll talk to this guy afterward and we'll, we'll come back for the second round. So uh, I, I, I am very excited. Draft night is one of my favorite times of the year because, you know, I've, I've had the privilege of being able to go there and, you know, be there with these kids in New York and, you know, to, to see, a lot of them teenagers who have worked their whole lives to get to this point and, and hear their name called by the commissioner. It's, it's emotional. It's, it's a really beautiful thing. Um, and yeah, I'm stoked. So you can watch Tom get emotional tomorrow. Uh, Evan will be there holding his hand along the way. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you guys for joining this time. We'll see you tomorrow for the draft. That's at Evan Klosky, at Real Tom Petrini. I'm Matt Jackson, Kins 5. And we'll see you next time. 